Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck. Located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, as always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Colts-Packers game. There's a lot of things that bothered me about the way that game was played for two teams that finished the day 7-3. and three. Looks like they're going to be in the playoffs. Looks like they're going to have an opportunity to make a run in the playoffs. There's a lot of things I didn't like. I want to make a couple points about the Ohio State-Indiana game that we saw on Saturday. But I want to open this up with another generic point and another hot point when it comes to the passball show here. And We spent a lot of time talking about uh, fans as they have rooting interest and their, their tendencies to act a certain way. And if you think of any fan of any team, whether we're talking about football, we're talking about baseball, basketball, hockey, college football, golf, tennis, college basketball, anything that you could bring your mind to in regards to what you root for, horse racing, you know, anything that a fan has a passion to have some sort of mental feeling that they're into it. And have some vested interest in what's going on and the results. It could be financial. Somebody could have a bet going on. But most importantly, fans kind of wear the internal temperature of a team that they root for on their sleeves. If you're an Eagles football fan, you're going to think about nothing else other than the Philadelphia Eagles in football. If you like the New York Knicks in basketball, that's all that you're going to think about, talk about, and your pulse at every given moment is going to be about what happens on a given day. It may not seem like much. There might not be anything in regards to the news of your favorite football, basketball, baseball, hockey team, or whatever, but you're going to find some sort of interest, and that's part of being a fan. But the other part of it is how you handle when your team loses. When your team underperforms, when your team has a bad season, it's naturally it's natural to be critical. It's natural to knock your team and say, you know what, this just isn't a good group of players. I thought they were going to be better, and they've underperformed. They haven't gotten the job done. You can be critical of the star players, maybe the ones that are getting paid the most. You know, in football, it's about the quarterback. In basketball, it's about the, the star player or the scorer. In baseball, it could be that star pitcher or that power hitter. You could get on those players if they're underperforming, especially if they're being compensated to do so. Uh, you get on coaches. Coaches is The coach isn't coaching them right. They're not calling the right plays. He's not putting the players in the best position to win. The general manager may not have assembled a team – that is going to be good enough to win. The players. Hey, maybe it's time to trade some of the players. One thing that I can't stand, and I want to make a call out, and I felt it was necessary to bring a, a panegyric or make this a prolegomenal point of the show or the program this morning, is when teams decide that they want to see, I'm sorry, players 
and fans decide that they want to see their players and team lose. And sorry, I screwed that up. I meant to say fans want to see their team, the players, etc., lose. So if you're if you're a football team, if your favorite football team is losing a lot of games, you want to see them lose the rest of the games over the course of the year, so they can maybe get a better draft pick in baseball. Maybe you just want to see them finish with the worst record. Now, draft picks, understandably, in the world of baseball, don't have the value that they do in other sports. Now, don't ever ask, you know, the minor league aficionados, you know, the young minor league fans that write all about minor league and obsess themselves with prospects and draft picks and stuff like that. Don't ever tell them that because they're going to start crying. You know, you don't want anybody to start, you know, whining and bitching and complaining. Oh, my God. How, how can he say that about my my favorite players that are drafted in the Major League Baseball draft? Major League Baseball draft is much weaker than that of the National Football League or the NBA. But when it comes to being a fan, a fan of a certain team, do you have the right to root for your team to lose? And this comes out, this is going to come out bad. But I think that fan that says it's okay to go lose all your games should in fact, lose their pass of being a fan of that team. That means you're not a good fan. That means you are a lousy representation of what that rest of the team's fan base is. And you can talk about it all day, about the Jets maybe wanting to go 0 and 16 so they could draft Trevor Lawrence out of the University of Clemson. That'd be a great opportunity for them. they get themselves a new quarterback, but a couple of years ago they just drafted you know, a quarterback that – they were thought to be tanking for themselves. You know, it seems like we've been through this before. You know, it's like deja vu. It's like Groundhog Day. The Jets seem to be in a position where they're trying to get a top pick, if not the top pick, a top pick, so they can get a quarterback a couple years back, three years ago. They got that player. Maybe didn't surround that quarterback with the most amount of talent and are all ready to move on for him after three years. Now, that's a different topic. That's a different discussion. I could actually understand that if that's really what you believe. But when it comes to wanting your team to lose and being happy that your team loses and being pissed off if they get a lead early in a game against another National Football League team, I think that should be unacceptable. And in fact, I call on the other Jets fans, Jets fans that have rooted for the team for whenever, to call out these fans with these this losing mentality this thought that maybe they should go out there and lose all their games just to guarantee themselves the top overall pick i disagree with it on so many fronts because i think there's a lot you can learn when it comes to a national football league team even when even in a season that's going away the jets were officially eliminated from postseason contention with their 10th straight loss to open a year But here's, here's a couple things that you can learn. You can learn what players on your team are worth keeping around. Maybe some players that you don't have a need for kind of show a little more value and maybe they can help you in the trade market as you look to get more picks or have a good offseason to put yourself in a better position to win next year. You know, you look at Joe Burrow and unfortunately the, the injury that he suffered yesterday, which will cost him the rest of the season. But, you know, you could see, you know, some positivity in one player going to a bad team. 
Now, it, it sucks for the Bengals because they, they don't have an offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. And unfortunately, an injury like this could have been considered to be inevitable. But uh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jets, all of a sudden things may turn around for the better. And what if this quarterback is every bit as good as you think he is? He goes to the Jets next year and, you know, all of a sudden you're trying to lose all year just so you can have a winless season. And you think of the players that are on that team that you didn't really look at and you have an offensive line that protects Trevor Lawrence the same way that the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line protected Joe Burrow. And then all of a sudden you have an injury and maybe you have an injury to a quarterback that you invested so much in by losing all these games. So you could get the number one overall pick that ends up not being the impact player that you wanted him to be in the first place. But Outside of that, it's just fundamentally wrong to root against your favorite team. Now, that does classify you as less of a fan than the rest of the fan base. And I'm going to call you out for it. I'm going to tell you that you are not as good of a fan as the others that consider themselves diehards. You cannot call yourself a diehard fan if you're rooting for your team to lose. Once you root for your team to lose, you really should give up your card, give up your fandom, and go root for somebody else because you don't deserve the reward when that team finally does turn it around. When you run into that group of fans and hug and kiss the fans after they win themselves a Super Bowl, a World Series, an NBA championship, a Stanley Cup, a national championship, those fans should kick you aside. The fans that were there thick and thin may have said some negative things, but never rooted against their own team to win a game. If you root for your team to lose, you don't deserve to be a fan. And you don't deserve the reward when your team does turn it around. You're a lousy fan. You can't be considered a diehard fan. You don't belong in a same ballpark with the other fans that are rooting for their team thick and thin. Like I said, it's okay to be critical. It's okay to want your general manager or coach fired. It's okay to want your favorite players traded or the best players on the team traded. It's okay to want to see the team go in a different direction. But when you say that you're better off losing and you actually double up on it, by rooting for your team to lose, you go right down the rankings of your respective team as a sports fan. You're a lousy sports fan. You root for your team to lose, you are a bad fan. This copyright broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of these, the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC, is prohibited. Any commercial other use of programs, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, so many things bothered me about the Colts-Packers game. I don't care about the results. Either one of those teams would have won that game in overtime. Uh, listen, I think you, know, you move on. You go on to the next game. That's what it is in the NFL. And it's amazing that in most cases you get a week to prepare. 
but it seems like the time goes by so quick. Next thing you know, you know, that Sunday or that Thursday or that Monday is coming up and the, the next game, it, it's all sudden on to the next opponent. Bill Belichick was always good at that. You know, the game's over. What are we recapping about what happened, whether you won, whether you lost? No, it focuses on who the next opponent is going to be. And that same thing's going to apply to the Indianapolis Colts. They're on to the Tennessee Titans. The Green Bay Packers are on to their next opponent as well. And it's going to be a matter of what these teams do to prepare themselves for what likely will be postseason runs. I'd be surprised that these teams would have to fall off dramatically if either one of them wasn't going to make the playoffs. And remember, the NFL added themselves a seventh playoff team in each conference. So there's two more teams that are going into the playoffs. So it's very unlikely. Now, listen, stranger things have happened. The Colts, the Packers, they go out there and they lose three or four straight games and their outlook's going to be different. But right now it looks like they, they both have a reasonably good chance of making a postseason. And the reason I say that, and the reason it may seem like I wasted my time saying that, is I was watching two teams that couldn't have looked like they didn't belong on the field anymore. It was a horrible showing and a spirited game that you saw that looked like it was going into Colts' favor. The Packers were up, were up 28 to 14 and a half. And the Colts come back, really control some offense. They end up having a ball the majority of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter. And got themselves back into the game. Put themselves in a reasonable position to win. But what happens on that last drive as they're trying to hold on to the football to run the clock out? The Colts did it. They came back. They took the lead against the Green Bay Packers who had a two-touchdown lead. It should be something that we should be celebrating. We, we should be talking about how the Colts ran the clock down, made it very difficult for the Green Bay Packers to win, and held on and won this game. Instead, we're talking about nine holding calls, almost at some point looking like it was deliberate. You got offensive linemen falling over each other to hold the Green Bay Packers to stop the clock. This was a horrible effort by the Indianapolis Colts on that last drive and basically took away everything good that they had done before. They did a great job coming back in the second half to, to, to take the lead and to be in a commanding position and almost be ready to unveil that victory formation. All they had to do was run a couple plays. And they go out there and they commit all these penalties, basically saving the Green Bay Packers timeouts which was a terrible job. So you figure, all right, the Packers are going to come back and they're going to win this game. You get a minute and a half, which there's no way there should have been anywhere near a minute and a half with a timeout left for Aaron Rodgers to go down the field and lead the Packers to victory. And the Packers themselves did everything they could to not win this football game. Aaron Rodgers is moving the ball downfield. I mean, he is basically laser accurate by hitting his receivers in stride as they're moving down the field in that final minute or so. And by the way, there's basically no time going off the clock. They were in a great position to score, and they didn't. They had to settle for a field goal. And you know what? That happens. 
but the momentum seemed like it certainly shifted to Green Bay in this game. And they're put in a position where they win the coin toss, they get the ball, and you figure Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to just mosey the team down the field. They should get in a position to at least score a field goal. And what happens? They turn the ball over. Fumble. Indianapolis picks the ball up. They end up scoring and winning the game. This was an awfully played game. And you can talk about how big of a win it was for the Indianapolis Colts, certainly to keep pace with the Tennessee Titans. Titans-Colts this week is going to be a huge, huge game. It's going to be a great matchup of, you know, which we saw a couple of weeks ago when the Colts beat the Titans in Tennessee. Tennessee is looking to get a little retribution. The Colts are looking to stake their claim at the top of this division. It's going to be a fun game. But I'm not loving the Colts after I see all these holding calls and a team that is considered to be fundamentally sound, a team that is very well coached by Frank Wright, ends up laying an egg and still comes out on top, winning against the Green Bay Packers team that a lot of people have said is supposed to be the best team in the National Football Conference. You know, there's Tampa Bay, there's New Orleans, there's Seattle, there's the Rams, the up-and-coming Arizona Cardinals, and then there's the Green Bay Packers that are still considered one of the best teams in the National Football Conference. They, they looked bad. And a quarterback that was playing well with receivers that couldn't hold on to the football, fumbles, three and outs and inopportune times. It was a lousy performance by the Green Bay Packers. And it should be known that they were up 28 to 14 at the half and basically tried to give the game to the Indianapolis Colts. And the worst thing about it was the Colts really trying to give it back to the Green Bay Packers. It looked at some point watching that game that these two teams were both trying to lose. And going back to the point that I started this program talking about, if you're a fan and you want your team to lose, you should give up your pass as a fan. Well, you're, you almost looked at two football teams that seemed like they were battling for the number one overall pick in the draft. They were trying to lose. They were trying to give the game to each other. In the end, one team had to win and one team had to lose. In the end, both teams are still in a great position to make the playoffs. And in the end, this whole discussion about two teams really playing their worst football and giving their least amount of effort may not mean anything as we get closer to the postseason. But I still think it needs to be mentioned that it was a terrible job by both football teams. If you're Matt LaFleur, if you're Frank Reich, you should be embarrassed of yourself. Your teams gave a lousy performance in a game that really neither team deserved to win. So I followed a little bit of the Ohio State-Indiana game because I think really that's the prime game you're going to see in a Big Ten conference this year. Disappointing seasons from Michigan and Penn State. Wisconsin may not seem to be on the same level. And there's this Indiana Hoosiers football team. And we know Indiana, the University of Indiana. We know them for Bobby Knight. We know them for college basketball. We don't know them very much for college football. This is usually a second division club when it comes to the Big Ten. But they had a great opportunity playing the obviously highly ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. And you think of that program as they're considered one of the elite in the country always going to be in the top five or the discussion amongst the top teams in all of college football. 
And the thought was supposed to be that this game was not going to be close. Indiana comes into the game undefeated. It was going to be one of those situations where they were going to get humbled, and they were going to get humbled quick. Ohio State was going to beat them up pretty good, pretty much like they had done to everybody else. Well, all of a sudden you have a back and forth and a game that even though Ohio State was ahead on, it ends up coming down to the wire by a great comeback by the Indiana Ball Club. And they're put in a position going down to the last drive. And there's an opportunity that they could really do some damage. And you look at what ends up happening, and I was a little frustrated because, like, I thought, and I'm one of those that root for the underdogs. I'm one of those that you could look back at it and say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I like to see the team that is a little bit lesser in regards to tout, in regards to following, and the team that thinks it's probably a little bit to go to get to the top team. I like to see that team win. Here's my problem. You look at the last drive and an opportunity for Indiana to tie this game. They have a quarterback in Penix that is thrown for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns, which, by the way, you're looking at this game Ohio State is up 28-7 to at the half. Indiana, in the second half, has no issue moving the football on this defense. And you know Ohio State, they always got players that are getting drafted in the National Football League. You know, watch the draft next year, see how many players out of Ohio State come out of that squad on defense. And Indiana has no problem moving the ball up and down the field until the last drive. And you could say that Ohio State did a good job stopping Indiana when it mattered. They had a big defensive stand. But all of a sudden, you saw a little bit of a difference in play calling. Some plays that seemed like they were so automatic, all of a sudden, they weren't going to. There was no short pass you know, games. There were no high percentage completions. All of a sudden, Penix, who had done a very good job moving the ball up and down the field all day, is throwing more risky passes and they all of a sudden they don't really go anywhere. And it's unfortunate because I really thought Indiana, if they were able to tie this game, they may have been able to pull off the upset. Now what I, what I see in it is I gain a lot of respect for Indiana and yes, one loss is a big deal when it, when you come, when it comes down to the whole BCS thing, trying to put yourself in a position to maybe get, be one of those last four teams and get a chance to play for a national championship. It may not happen this year. And who knows? Maybe with bowls being canceled and the coronavirus spreading as it's expected to do, you know, you, you may see a bigger playoff series, in, you know, to take the place of some of the bowl games. I don't know. But I think Indiana earned some respect, but pretty similar to a lot of teams that weren't ready or the underdogs that were put in a position to go slay the mighty Goliath, it just wasn't time for them yet. So I was thinking about NBA free agency against Major League Baseball free agency. We had two different things kind of going on at the same time, obviously because of the coronavirus and the, the situation that we're in right now. 
very seldom do you see these two free agencies kind of go up against each other. And following the NBA draft, you heard me talk last week about a lot of the uncertainty that's in there. Um, There's wild cards certainly throughout that draft because there's a lot of teams that drafted players that even they may not know so much about. And I don't think we're going to find out a lot until they're actually on a court playing games. You're going to see some diamonds in a rough that went in a late first round or the second round just because, you know, the regular evaluation process when you're trying to judge which players are the best coming into the draft wasn't there. There was no NCAA tournament. There really was no equivalent of any combines or workouts where these players were in front of scouts to try to show who was better. You know, the NBA is full of players that can score. Even the 11th through 15th player on any given team, if they're put in opportunity and given the ball to shoot and to drive and to have that role as a scorer, they could probably do it. The question is, who can do it the most consistently? Who could become a star when it comes to the top players on respective teams in the National Basketball Association? And you got free agency, which to this point has been a disappointment. All the headlines were on the big names, whether it was the Hardens or the Westbrooks or what teams were going to make that run to go out there and and go after the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers, in my opinion, they got a lot better. And I don't see too many teams that close the gap to when it comes to the Lakers and themselves. So I'm a little bit disappointed. I don't know how the rest of the free agency slash trade market is going to be. Remember, we're only we're talking about a little bit less than two months away from the start of the new National Basketball Association season. But I, I'm looking at it and, I, and, you know, what team in your in your mind? And you can tell me maybe I'm wrong. Not too many teams got so much better when it came to the NBA in free agency. There was a lot of money that was spent. You know, Gordon Hayward got a lot of money. But it seemed like every move that the Los Angeles Lakers made made them better. And the teams that are supposed to be competing with the L.A. Lakers, I don't think close that much ground. So as you get ready for what could be a very busy Major League Baseball offseason, I think the amount of time that exists between now and the start of spring training could slow the pace of a lot of teams. If you think of the New York Mets and their owner, Steve Cohen, the only owner in Major League Baseball that isn't inheriting a ridiculous loss. He's going in. He's taking over at the exact right time. But you've also heard the Los Angeles Angels and the St. Louis Cardinals make claims that they're going to be aggressive this year. Some teams, you, you expect to not be. The Cubs have been pretty vocal about their interest in slashing payroll. You know, the Phillies may not have that ability to go out there and spend, and I quote the owner when I say this, stupid money. And a lot of teams are kind of looking at that bottom line with the fans not being able to appear in the stands this year and the, the millions and millions of dollars of losses. So I'm thinking of a couple things. JT Realmuto wants to return to the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm sure the Phillies would like to bring him back. Now, JT Realmuto probably isn't going to pass up money in years to stay in Philadelphia. What does that mean to the New York Mets? What does that mean to the New York Yankees? 
Both teams can go out there and probably give Real Muto a contract worthy of going uh, of, of his desire to want to stay in Philadelphia, to make him want to go to New York. But when I think of the Yankees, there's a couple things that I wanted to get into. I was thinking of Gary Sanchez and their catching situation. I think it would be more beneficial for the Yankees not to sign Real Muda, not to sign Yadier Molina, who I think would be a mistake if he signed with any other team than the St. Louis Cardinals. I think you're getting a watered-down product, a player that has sentimental value in the city of St. Louis that is not going to be matched in any other city. And the fact that you're looking at a player that isn't what he was in his prime, isn't as great of a defensive catcher as he used to be. And from an offensive standpoint, I always thought was really no better than a sixth or seventh hitter in the Cardinals lineup. So what should the Yankees do? Should they pay the money for Real Muda? I think they'd be better off bringing DJ LeMayu back. I think they'd be better off making a significant move or two when it comes to upgrading the rotation. But I think maybe they'd be in a better position to take advantage of the Chicago Cubs' interest in moving players and cutting payroll. And I wouldn't be surprised if the New York Yankees swung a deal for Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. And maybe you throw a Kyle Schwarber in there to allow the Cubs to shed some money. Now, the Yankees will have to give up something. It's not going to be free. It's not going to be a salary dump from the Chicago Cubs. Yes, they're good. the Cubs will be happy to not have to pay those players money and be able to go to their retool in a, in a way that they want to. But you figure you get a couple of good prospects if you're the Cubs in this trade. Maybe a total of four players. Maybe two top 20 guys in the Yankees farm system. Maybe one pretty good one and one decent one. And then two other players. The Yankees take on the salary and all of a sudden they have a catcher, Wilson Contreras, that is marketably better than Gary Sanchez. You had Kyle Schwarber and his left-handed bat in the lineup to play left field. Maybe you play Stanton in left field. Maybe a DH Schwarber. But it all leads to what eventually will be the departure of their starting catcher, and that's Gary Sanchez. And, you know, Yankee fans kind of make it look like, or baseball analysts, for that matter, kind of make it look like there's nothing for Gary Sanchez to do. Why would there be a market for Gary Sanchez? Well, if your take is that Gary Sanchez's career as a catcher is likely over, why would a team not want to bring this guy in to be their full-time DH? There's a series of player of teams that could use a full-time DH. If the, if the only thought of Gary Sanchez is to catch and he can't catch, what about the thought of rebuilding him as a hitter? Now he had a down year. He certainly didn't hit anywhere close to 200. The one thing that was supposed to carry Gary Sanchez was his ability to hit the baseball and his ability to hit home runs. Now, a team would have to believe enough that this guy could go out there and play in uh, 140 games as a designated hitter. And maybe if he's not worrying about catching, he could go out there and hit 40 home runs. That's worth something. It's not worth top prospects. So if you're the Yankees thinking that you're going to cash in on Gary Sanchez, I don't think, excuse me, I don't think that's going to happen. But to 
maybe get a couple young players if you're the Yankees and move on from Sanchez, get your catcher in Wilson Contreras. I think that's something that's worth thinking about. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're talking about fandom. It's okay to be critical. It's okay to want to see your coach or general manager of your favorite team fired. It's okay to want to see the top players on your favorite team traded. It's okay to want to see your team make a move. Let's say you're an Eagles fan and you want to see Carson Wentz not play anymore or be on the bench. It's okay to feel that way. But when you take it a step further and you start to root for your team to lose, it's an insult to everybody else that's a fan of that same team. You're not on the level of the diehard fans when you start rooting for your team to lose. You should admit that you're a lesser version of the fan of what you consider your favorite sports team. It's a lousy job to do that. It's counterproductive. There's ways that you could go through a rebuild and not root for your favorite team to lose. You root for development. You root for the foresight in being able to see what players are worth keeping around, what players you're probably going to move on from, maybe what players could be traded to get you some value back. That's all things you can bring up if you're a fan of a losing team. But when you go and you start to try to lose or want to see your team lose, you lose that right to celebrate with the rest of the fans that didn't do that. Spoke a little bit about speaking of losing efforts. It seemed like the Colts and Packers were both trying to lose the same game. And it's amazing to see two seven and three teams, two teams that should have no problem getting into the playoffs when it comes to the National Football League, both trying to do everything they can to lose the same game. Spoke a little bit about Indiana, kind of their coming out party, down 28 to seven at the half against Ohio State. They made that a game. All of a sudden, from an offensive standpoint, kind of went to a different style in the last drive, which cost them a chance to maybe tie up that football game. And I think if they tied it up, they may have had a very good chance to win. I would go 60-40 that Indiana would have won that game if they had tied it up going in on that last drive. Talked a little bit about the NBA free agency, which has been a little bit disappointing at this point. You know, we're only a couple days in. Maybe it'll be some trades. Maybe you'll see some organizations make better efforts to try to catch the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. A little bit about baseball. I think the Yankees should focus on Wilson Contreras. I think that would be a very good trade for them. Trade partners, Chicago Cubs, trying to get rid of some money. Throw Kyle Schwarber in there. I think it's a good deal for the Yankees. You don't have to worry about Yadier Molina being a waste of time. You don't have to worry about Gary Sanchez anymore because, by the way, if you market Gary Sanchez as a designated hitter, you can probably find a team that's willing to run him out there for 140 games as their primary DH. And Major League Baseball, are you, are you going to rule on whether we're going to have a DH in the National League this year? I mean, it's getting pretty close. Teams are trying to think about how they're going to go about their offseason. You want to tell the National League teams if they can have a designated hitter or not? Is that too much to ask for? As always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll be back with you. I think we're going to do a Thanksgiving show. 
And as always, a big thank you for everybody that tunes into the program, whether it's through YouTube, whether it's through iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, SoundCloud. I thank everybody. I appreciate everybody that takes the time to, to listen and watch. We'll be back with you, like I said, Thursday. We'll do a Thanksgiving show. Until then, God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.